do, 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 do. Here we go. My name is Todd. This is Gabby. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 362, which is all even numbers, as it turns out. That's cool. <laughs> Actually, it's not. Three is not an even number. I was going to say, what are you talking about? <laughs> Uh, one odd number and two even numbers. Which makes it even cooler. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's Zen Parenting Radio? Because well, I listen because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, I'm going to talk about the top 10 things you'll regret when you get old. Or just, not. Just you? Well, I'm going to bring it up and you're going to respond. Okay. Or not. There's a few th- few top 10 things I actually disagree with, and okay. I can't wait to hear your take on that. Uh, we also have a few listeners' questions, and if we get to it, you and I had a brief conversation on which, generally speaking, might be more challenging, middle school or high school. Right, which really is just a a discussion rather than any solution because that it's just, what, what am I trying to say? It's opinion. Right, but mine's going to be right and yours is going to be wrong. Oh, so so why bother? I'm going to win. That's if if you if you've already won, then why bother? The best part is I haven't even thought through what my opinion is yet. You but just want I, to be I know right. I'm going to win. Yeah, well, some people are like that. Um, and also today's show is being brought to you by a band. Is this one of your favorite bands of all time? No. No. Um, I mean, Fish is fine, and I get it, and a lot of people listening probably love them um, because they had quite the, you know, the tour, and I think Trey's great. It's Trey, right? This song I like a lot. The place I saw was far beneath the surface of the sea. My What's the name of that song, sweetheart? Bouncing around the room. And it has a round in it. It does. A, That's the best part at the end. The live version's much better. And maybe I'll play one more fish song by the end of the show. The one that you hate. It's twelve minutes long. Yeah. Maybe th- we'll play all twelve minutes. I think any song that's twelve minutes long. What's the longest song that you love? Like uh, Stairway or something? Stairway or American Pie. Ooh, American Pie. Mm-hmm. What about Freebird? No. <laughs> it's a long guitar solo. No, that's no that good. That guitar solo seems like And it's, it's so like, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, it makes you want to go to bed. Like, it's just so long. I know. It's a long one, but it's a good one. So why are you bringing fish into the show? I don't get it. I don't know. It's nine minutes long. Yes, this is just a problem. You just want to be like... Okay, Get on with take it. Take it up a notch. Uh, the reason I'm bringing fish up is because we just played it in the car, and I wanted to introduce music into our podcast. Well, if I remember correctly, that song was popular. I think either when we were getting married or right after we got married, because it was on a bunch of you know because top forty. It was we're like a top aging 40 ourselves, song. but it was on a bunch of our CDs that yeah. we play in the car. But I think it got radio play. When fish songs never right. get radio play. Well, it was kind of like you know the dead getting touch of gray. Should I play that song? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, let's get back to business. Um, So I came across this uh, little video. It's like a one-minute video, and it's the top 10 things you'll regret when you get old. Top 10 things you'll regret? Like, what does that mean? That when you're once you're older, you look back and you regret doing certain things? Um, Or not doing certain things. Okay. We'll talk about that. All right. Um, Should we talk about the conference real quick? Yeah, because it's this weekend. Conference is this weekend. Doi. You got to get there. And to learn more, go to zengetsreal.com. Yeah, this is it, peeps. We are making name tags tonight. And or badges, I mean, Mm -hmm. not making them, putting them together. We're stuffing bags. Right now, we're sitting in the basement. My whole basement is filled with boxes. Of fun stuff It makes for the me conference. nervous about carrying it all to the car. I think we're going to need two cars. Does it really make you nervous, or is it just something that you don't feel like doing? I just don't like to carry things to the car. Sorry, got these sacks. Got these sacks, and there's stairs, and it just is monotonous. <laughs> That's like today- That's when you put on your headphones, and you're golden. Well, okay, but today we, um, we were visiting my parents, and- we were coming home and we were like 10 minutes from their house. You know, we had we had been driving for 10 minutes and I realized that my daughter had left my phone there. 
And you may say, big deal, 10 minutes away, you know, 10 minutes back. But for me, it's just very difficult on my system. I don't know why that, I mean, maybe because I Because you deal. don't like inefficiency. And we would have been home in 20 minutes. Instead, we were home in 40 minutes. I don't, it's part inefficiency. It's irresponsibility I, from our nine-year-old. Well, part that, but I just don't like going backwards. I like being present. Like, and we had already... Sweetie, you're either growing or dying. I know. I It's a, it's a confusing thing to me because that's happened before. We've actually told that story on the show about, you know, where Maddie forgot her keyboard and yeah, we had to drive back. Cool. And that's not the only time. I mean, our kids forget things and you have to drive back. But there's something about driving back yeah. that drives me cuckoo. Yeah. And I... It, Imagine what they used to do back in the little house in the prairie days when they forgot their cell phones. When they forgot their cell phones. And they had to like get the horses turned around again. Totally. <laughs> they had to like stock up the food from Cookie again. <laughs> Who's who Cookie? Is that in City Slickers? Wasn't yeah, it the cook named right, Cookie? Right. You're totally like jumping around. <laughs> okay. Um, there was something else about leaving things. Oh, we already told the story about your friend Casey when he left the ring and he had to drive like 11 was, hours back. He was going to propose to his wife in New York. He drove from Chicago. He realized in Ohio he forgot the ring. That's just, that's so hard on my system. I can't even tell that story. You had to turn around. I, I just don't like it. He's okay. an idiot. Well, no. No, yes. I'm not saying he's an idiot. He's an idiot. I'm just saying that. I love him. I stood up in his wedding. He yes. stood up in mine. Yes. But I think I demoted him to usher status. Oh, thank you. Did, I love did you? demoting some of my friends to usher status. You're like, you can be in it, but... You're not <laughs> one of the best of friends. You're an usher, dude. You're level two. You're level... What, what's the female form of usher? There's bridesmaids and personal attendants. That's such a made-up word. Like, no, I love not. you, but you're just going to be a personal attendant. Well, that's not true. I loved my personal attendants. I loved them. Just not them. as much as the bridesmaids. Well, I didn't live with them in Chicago. You know what I mean? Meme. No, they were. Really. I think you. I think you're worried that your friends are going to listen to this and then be mad at you. No, they. But it already happened. Yeah. They were already. Personal <laughs> they already attendance. got mad. No, I. Oh. Mean, <laughs> it's already like it's not like this is news to them. <laughs> All right, off the rails. Um, one Zen friend. What's a Zen friend? It's somebody who supports us to help people who can't afford to go to the conference. We have one big time Zen friend, Amy Kelly. Well, and Amy, if you're listening. I just had an email exchange with Amy because she gave such a generous donation and I was able to like, we got like three other people who were basically what we started doing is giving discounts so people could, you know, we could use Zen Friend for a lot of different people. So I was telling her that and you know what her response was to me? What? Do you need more so you can make sure these other people can get there? She's a sweetheart. I know. And I was like, I, it was already so generous and- um, she was just very grateful because she listens to the show and we, I was just appreciative of her. So it was a mutual appreciation. Yes, absolutely. And we're going to see her this weekend. Correct. Um, so if you want to help uh, support us, either come to the conference, for goodness sakes, or if you can't and you want to support us, because there are some people that still would love to attend but just simply can't afford it. So go to uh, the registration page at the Zen Gets Real and you can just become a Zen friend without going to the conference. So. And I am going to say that I have this very strong feeling that this weekend is going to be really special. And last year was really special, but there's something special, special this about is be this weekend. Extra special. I can feel it. It makes me like happy, anxious. Or as my daughter says, nervous-sided. Very nervous, very excited. That's a great word. Well, it's exactly, I feel when people, I was, you know, my mom said, are you nervous? Are you worried? I'm not worried. I'm just so, it's so special and everything about it is so cool and everyone's so generous and everybody, it's just this great group of people. So I'm pretty excited. Can I play a quick movie quote? Please. Because you just said extra special. You know, it's dangerous for you to be here in the frozen food section. Because you could melt all this stuff. By the way, my name's Chavdeen. Hi, you Chavdeen. What's yours? My name's Todd. Todd? It's a beautiful name. It's Italian for extra special. It's Todd. It's Italian for extra special. Well, I love that they would give, because he's an E in the Witness Protection yes, Program. Yes, This is Steve Martin from My Blue Heaven, and by the, the way. Then they would say that the name we're giving you is Todd. Todd, yeah. <laughs> See what I mean? I Todd's always the biggest twerp in I any know, show. I know. Todd. Except for you, honey. Except for me. And a few other friends who I know her name is Todd. 
Todd Combs, my yoga instructor. Yeah. Todd Thomas from HGNA. Those yeah. are two good Todds. There's probably more good Todds out there. I just. Don't. I love the name Todd. I don't actually. Really? No, not really. You know what Skyler's been asking us a lot lately, and it's what? kind of driving me crazy. If your name wasn't Kathy, yeah, what would you have it that be? On me. And I and I keep saying, you know what? It's the only name I know, and sometimes I don't even feel like it's my name because I don't know. Maybe that's when I'm doing the Eckhart thing and I am formless spirit, so names don't mean much to me. My answer is uh, I would like my name to be Purple Barnabies. Right, and she gets mad because she's like, that's not what I mean. No, real name. And I can't come up with anything. The only time I wanted a different name is when I was young and I was watching Grease and I wanted to be Sandy. Um, what you remember that thing like if you were an adult movie star, uh-huh. your uh, first name would be uh, the name of your, your first your pet, pet, and the last name would be your the street. street that you. So what would yours be? My first pet was no, no. A, just say what your adult film oh, star name would be. Valentino, <laughs> Valentino Cynthia. Mine would be Spooker at <laughs> Spooker Kilborn. <laughs> Dirk Diggler. Dirk Diggler. Chest Rockwell. Chest Rockwell. All right, we got to get back here. All right, so top 10 things you regret when you get old. Number one, where's my drum roll? Not traveling when you had the chance. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't. Why? I don't really think traveling is that big of a deal. But it says if you had the chance. Right. I have plenty of chances. I don't really like traveling that much. Well, there's. I do have a time that I regret that I had an opportunity to go to Greece and I decided to go to Florida instead. That's such a good high school thing to do though, right? You want to go to Florida. I did, but even a year later because did I Did you regret it, it a yes, year later? Be, well, regret's a strong word. It just was like now that the Florida trip had passed and I did that every year, Yeah, I was like, why didn't I go to Greece? And it was cool because we were studying Greece. So I think the word regret, you know what I'm going to struggle with with this list, Todd, is that regret is not a word that I love because if you were doing something at a certain time, it's because you were supposed to be doing that at that certain time. So I'm going to push you out of your comfort zone and ask you to embrace the word regret for the sake of this discussion. All right. Well, I'll give it a go. Number two, staying in a bad relationship. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that any time you spend a significant amount of years with somebody who treats you poorly. So I guess let me frame it this way. Do you think a lot of people do this and then end up regretting it after? Um, I think a lot of people do this and wish that they would have come to their senses sooner. Also known as regret. I, But a lot of times some of my, what I would call my negative relationships or relationships that weren't very healthy were huge um, teachable times, like where I learned a ton. Sure. So if... And most of them didn't go very long. But if they would have gone, like, say, someone 10 years, 15 years, yeah, I would have been bummed. Like, okay, remember the um, the Scientology show we were watching, Leah Romani? Yeah. yeah. For those of you, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it's called um, In... In- Something it's Leah Remini on Scientology and it's on A and E and it's basically her interviewing all these people. And basically what a lot of them say is that they're like, Okay, I got out of this. This is not somewhere, you know, I knew it was time to go, but I gave my life. And some of them gained thirty years, twenty five years, forty years. And so that if you call that a bad relationship. Sure. Um, you know, they regret it. I agree with everything you're saying. I'm going to put a slightly different spin on it. And I, um, actually, I'm going to take the opposing view just for the sake of discussion. I think a lot of people sometimes get out of a relationship, um, without having, without taking ownership of their role in it. And I'm not talking about abusive relationships, Mm -hmm. like, like it was their fault. But sometimes there's that we take the path of least resistance and we bail in a relationship, whether it be with a church or a person or whatever, and they are too quick to judge the other person. Mm-hmm. And instead of take ownership of how is it that I could change? How is it that I can role model who I want to be with? Things like that. And like I said, this is not a blame game. It's simply another way of looking at it. I guess, but why can't that be one and the same? Because you can regret that time and also recognize your role and take responsibility for why you were in it. Right. Like, I don't think regret means that you're blaming someone else. No, I I don't think it is. But I think sometimes we identify relationship as bad because we're too busy judging the other person Mm -hmm. and we're not taking ownership responsibility of our own role in that situation because as we talk about we can't really change the other person we all we could do is change ourselves and hopefully if we're able to change ourselves then we'll be able to share what it is that we have with the other and i think a lot of times people don't take that first step before they have the ability to take that second step okay 
You're disagreeing with me. Well, I guess I don't see them as different things. I don't see. I don't. I don't see the. But don't you think I'm cutting you off? But don't you think there are moments or times or experiences where people just kind of take the path of least resistance and just get out, and they're too busy judging the other person, or no? Well, I think anybody who is, if they are the ones getting out of the negative relationship, they have seen the light in some way where they realize this is no longer for them. Mm -hmm. So they already woke up to leave it. And then when they get out of it, sure, they may be angry at that person and go through their own grieving process of what they've given up or what they sacrificed. But I don't think they're necessarily saying it's all their fault. Right. And again, we're speaking so generally, right, who yeah, knows? Right. Um, but I'm thinking about, again, my own negative relationships, because you've had some too, sure. right? If it be friendships or whatever. And once you get out of it and you're like, gosh, why did that take me so long? And then you realize that it, you needed that time to wake up, however long that was, one year, 10 years. Right. And that you realize you grew from it and that you didn't have something that you now have. Yeah. And so you still may be frustrated at that person, but you, at least in my own experience, I've been able to see the role I played. Yeah. Well, in, in any experience, whether it's good or bad, there's always learning that you can for do. For sure. For so, sure. Anyways. All okay. Right, you ready for number three? Uh-huh. Caring too much about what others think. Oh, yeah. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. I've, you know, that's been a natural evolution. And it, and I don't, you know, a lot of people do things around years. Like in your 20s, you feel this way. In your 30s, you feel this way. In your 40s, it, that's too general for me. I think sometimes in your 20s, you start to not care. And I think it's this like growth where you recognize that other people's perspective is just that. Yeah. It really isn't a reflection of you. It's a reflection of them. It's how they see the world. And you, if you mess up their worldview, then they don't approve of you. Well, and to to turn that around or flip the coin on that is, and similarly, when we are judging other people, mm -hmm. really, we're just judging ourselves. Correct. Right. And they are ruining our world. For yes. You. We're saying, how can you think this? Or um, I can't believe you would do that. Or and a lot of times when we are judgmental about one thing or, you know, I don't like this person because the way they dress or really surfacey things, it, that's all our own insecurity. Yep. You know, these are walls that we've built up, built up inside of us where we would never look that way because how would people feel about us? And so if other people look that way, then we're, you know, it's different. It, it just depends on where you are. But a lot of times we get, for example, let me, let me give an example. So I'm more clear. A lot of times certain women, cause I've worked with a lot of women, they get upset at outspoken women mm. and they'll, they'll not like them or call them names or if they be famous women or just women in their company or business that are outspoken and they'll be frustrated at them and and say, you know, I can't believe they do this or they can't believe I do that, you know, or that they do that. And a lot of times when we really get down to the heart of it, it's not feeling as if they have permission to be outspoken women. Correct. So that woman who is being outspoken it provokes something inside of them where they don't feel that they have permission to do that. So they're angry at the woman who does. My example is um, one of my triggers is people who are entitled. Right. So I go the other way and make myself sometimes feel small because – so I get mad at people for acting and behaving in, in an, an entitled, entitled way. way yeah. And it's because I never give myself permission to even – lean into that and instead I squash whatever mm -hmm. aspect of myself I'm trying to limit. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Oh, I do. I was just having a discussion with a girlfriend last weekend about this is sometimes our frustration with people is, for example, like if someone's being super irresponsible, either with their words or with, you know, their actions, and you are someone who plays by the rules and you're responsible and you're, you know, kind hearted to people and you do the best you can to tell the truth and be honest and, 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 you know, be vulnerable enough to say, oh, I did this wrong. And then you watch other people who are being irresponsible, who are being unkind, who never admit to their mistakes. It's aggravating Correct. because you are doing your part. Mm -hmm. And you look at them and you say, you got to show up and do your part. Right. And, and there's the interesting thing about that example is you have a right to be frustrated. The question is, are you going to allow your frustration to overtake you to a point where you're just perpetually frustrated right. rather than recognizing that you can only control your right. ability or what you're doing. And not only 
that, but that you should keep doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. That when other people are being irresponsible, instead of saying, well, I'm going to... That's when you need to show up more. That's when you need to be even more responsible. And not to the point of, you know, trying to be a perfectionist or, you know, uh, uh, doing anything in a, um inauthentic way, but continue. If people are unkind to you, continue being kind. Yeah. Put out there what you hope you get back from people. And that doesn't mean sacrifice yourself or spend time with people who treat you poorly. It means be a, um, gosh, what's on my board? There's something on my vision board that I love. Be a be a path for the world. Be a blueprint for the world. I love that. Like m- live your life in such a way that other people can follow that pattern. Mm-hmm. You know, be a pattern for the world. Yeah. And and the people who aren't doing that, who are irresponsible, we may not see it, but there will be consequences. And if there's not consequences we see, they're having their own internal consequences. Right. And you may not, they may not end up, you know, all we ever talk about in the show is role modeling. And you might say, well, I'm role modeling and it's not mod- it's not changing their behavior. But maybe your ability to role model the behavior that you want to see will plant a seed in them and they may not get it next week or next year or in 10 years, but you could potentially be showing them the way without seeing the immediate feedback of whatever it is. And maybe they're not the ones who need to see the way. Maybe your role modeling is affecting everybody else except that person, but we become so hyper-focused on the one person that we don't recognize how well... You know, it's kind of like, um, you know, you go to a party and you're trying to impress one person and, you know, you're trying to be smart or look good in a certain way and everybody else is appreciating you, Mm. but this one person is not. And you focus all your attention on that one person or somebody, you know, 10 people give you a compliment and one person gives you a negative criticism and we go to that. We're we're attracted to that. So, so how we started on number three is caring too much about what others think. And, um, the phrase that you and I have shared with each other a million times is what other people think about us is none of our our business. business. And that's really valuable. So, you know, next time you catch yourself, you know, distraught for whatever reason, because somebody, you know, makes fun of you or whatever, you know, what they think about you is none of your business. And at the same time, because life is a paradox, it's okay to listen to feedback. Sure. It doesn't mean that it's none of my business, therefore, la, 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 I'm not going to listen to you. It means share with me your feedback. And if it resonates, and I believe it's something that maybe I could work on, but if it's something that's just cruel, or if it's something that is just you saying, no, reflect my worldview, not your worldview. Well, and I think it depends on who's giving you the feedback. You, that matters what, what, what too. What did Brene said? You need to earn... What's the thing she said? Somebody needs to earn the right to hear your story. Correct. Yeah. Was that a Brene thing? Uh-huh. Yeah, it was good. All right, so number four. Being afraid to say I love you. People regret and they don't mm-hmm. say I love you because they're too afraid. And my because I took this kind of as a contrarian, this whole list, mm-hmm. um, some people, first of all, I agree with it. You know, say I love you to the people you love, mm-hmm. but also know that there's more than one way of, expressing love. It can be action. Could be action. Mm-hmm. You know, the five love language, languages, which is something that we've spoken about on the show many times, you know, uh, it's not just about the words. I do encourage all of us who are not, whose love language is not words of affirmation, mine certainly is not, but yours is, mm-hmm. is step outside your comfort zone and to say those words. Mm-hmm. Having said that, was that on the Seinfeld last night? Having said Having that, said that yeah. the, uh, it's okay to speak in your love language too, right. whether it be physical touch or gifts or acts of service or quality time. Well, and also I love you are just words, meaning that right. it's all about the energy behind them because there are people that say it all the time that don't mean it. What, what's the line from Burning Bed I always say, sweetie? I love your mama. I love your mama. <laughs> Burning Bed from our childhood, it was a miniseries. Remember how miniseries used to be fun and yeah, good and the they whole were family? Good. And burning bed is when Farrah Fawcett lights her house on fire and kills her abusive husband and yeah, all that. Domestic abuse. And they would story. do flashbacks. Mm-hmm. And I just remember he would always tell his kids. I love your mama. I love your mama. But like the night before he was beaten, beaten her. Well, and that's the thing is they, it is a word. It's a word. It's it doesn't a word. mean anything. And, and, but it means everything. You know, talking about negative relationships, you know, abusive relationships or just relationships that you wish you would have got, gotten out of sooner. A lot of times that word is thrown around and yeah. it makes people stay and say, well, that person loves me. And the person will use that word as yes. leverage and manipulation. Exactly. So love is an action. Love is how you show up. Love, love is, is how verb. you treat somebody. Yeah. Love is, and it's wonderful if all of those things are in play and then that person 
uses the word. Yeah. But whenever um, you know women or men get too focused on they haven't said the word yet or they don't say the word enough. Um, I always step back and say, well, what are they showing you? Because if they are not showing you love either and they don't use the word, Forget. well, for, that's not good. Or if the, I would rather have somebody show me and not say it than say it and not show it. Right. Well, absolutely. Right? And if someone's just like, I love you, I love you, and they're not, and they're, it's just to pacify, then it's just to pacify. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I use it all the time. I have a very deep comfort with that word with my friends, with you, with my kids, but I don't use it to pacify. Right. Usually you mean it's, it. I really mean it. Say and, what you mean, mean what you say. And when I'm saying it, I am saying it because I am watching you go and I will miss you. Ready for uh, number five? Yes. Um, once again, this is a list, top 10 things you regret when you get old. Number five, working too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with that completely, obviously. I just did a two-hour men's group thing for uh, those dads, and it was all about work-life balance. Yes. Having said that, I think a lot of us, having said that, there I go again, a lot of us um, are in the wrong work. But yet we are feel cornered. We paint ourselves a new corner, and that's when life sucks because you spend forty hours a week doing something that depletes your soul. Mm-hmm. So if you can somehow modify, you know, it doesn't mean quit your job and and go, you know, go on vacation for a year. But I think if we can figure out what our work is, and and hopefully it's in alignment with our passion, then we're golden. Or can we do a certain work? And live our passion at the same time. Right. Because that's always the important thing is that there are some things work-related that you don't love, but that's what makes sure that's those parts of the work allow you to do the other parts of the work. Right. Do you know what I mean? I Was that clear? Yeah. I know you understand. But basically what I'm saying is that one of my favorite things from um, Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic, is she talks about how you shouldn't focus or put so much pressure on your own creativity that you try and make that pay the bills. That if you become an author who does sell a, you know, a million books, um, then that's given you a little bit more of a ticket to use that as the way that you're going to make your living. But if your creativity is just, you're, you're still kind of practicing and figuring it out and writing or drawing or dancing or whatever it is. And it's still, if you put too much pressure on it, to pay your bills, then the, the creativity starts to become stifled. And that sometimes your creative outlets or like you, you know, your passions, um, your other work allows you to live those passions. Yeah. So again, it's that balance because we're very used in this society, at least in the last 10, 20 years to say, live your passion. Do you and I have these conversations all the time, you know, do the work you love, only do the work you love. And there's that can be something that you really want to focus on is do what you're here to do. But sometimes what you're here to do has to be balanced with paying bills. Especially when it's more than one person involved in the equation. Correct. Especially when there's a family. You got a wife, you got a husband, you got a family, whatever. That's, that changes the rules completely. But there's a way to do it. Yeah. Like that's where once we have that clear, yeah. then now let's be creative. Yeah. It doesn't mean you have to work that 80-hour job and like squeeze in writing on Saturday morning. Like there, you could say this, this job that's killing me, I'm not going to do this anymore, but I'm going to do this job, which gives me more freedom and flexibility to do my creative work. Right. Uh, number six. Top 10 regrets. Uh, not playing with your kids enough. <laughs> now, this is an interesting one because I spent all most of my day with my daughter, Skylar, yesterday. And we walked and walked downtown in Elmhurst, which is where we live. And then we went to the park. And then eventually it got to the point where I was just kind of done. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of me that like, oh, I'm a bad dad because I don't want to keep playing with my daughter. And then there's another part of me that says I'm not doing her any good if I'm going through the motions. And you used to talk about this when uh, they wanted to play people. Well, I, I kind of, and, and I'm not saying that I've so figured this out that I have no emotional, uh, you know, feeling around it, that I have no feelings around it, but I've worked through this for so long. I don't want to play. And the thing is, is that's not the way that I connect with my kids because if I'm playing the way you do, I am being inauthentic and that's not where I want to be, but I am with my kids all the time in the ways that are authentic to me. We eat together. In the morning, I get up with them, you know, to say goodbye or to get them, help get them ready. I drive Skylar to school, pick them up. 
We sit down and chat on the couch. We watch shows together. We do things that make sense to both of us. We do, you know, they do homework and I do my work and we sit at the same table. And these are the ways that I feel like Kathy is showing up as Kathy and they are showing up as themselves. If I was creating things to do with them that was only one-sided, meaning- For example, um, playing people. Playing people. I think that's a really important yeah. example because you struggle with that early on. And playing people is those little figurines with dollhouses and our daughters used to love imagining mm-hmm. scenarios. And it was- kind of a brutal game because it would rec- well you you have no freedom in it like they're basically telling you what to say so how picture to this kathy's like in her mid-30s or however old you were uh-huh. our daughters are like two and four uh-huh. and they'd want to play people uh-huh. and which basically means sit on the ground and continue to nurture this imagination creativity and all that meanwhile you had 45 other things to do at the same time Correct. and you used to at, the, at least there was a few moments where you felt bad that you didn't oh, sure. want to play people. So I think this is an important lesson for maybe new moms. Okay. How, yeah. did, you do, how did you deal so with that? So that's kind of what I was jumping from is when I say that I don't have any feelings around it anymore, that's not true. But I worked hard on it when they were little, meaning I took the shame out of it and took the guilt out of it because what I realized is that I was with my kids all day and in 80 other ways and that are, you know, putting them to bed and singing to them and reading books with them. I enjoyed that. Playing people, I didn't. Mm -hmm. So those were the times that I created. You know, it's like how you... My kids started to understand that those were not things I wanted to do. And that then became okay because I taught them who I was. Now, when I say that, I'm always careful because I don't mean that I never do anything I don't want to do with my kids. I mean, my goodness, like I'm making three meals a day for them and driving them all over the place. And there's um, plenty of things, plenty of that things you I'm don't doing. love doing Correct. that you do. So it's not like I'm shirking responsibility. What I'm saying is when it comes to my free time with my kids or downtime, I want to make sure that I'm showing up as, as much as myself as possible. And to do that, I would much, much rather spend time with them doing things we both love. And um, that's kind of the way I do it. So like now, if the girls want to go out and play, they ask you. Mm-hmm. and if, Or board games, they know to ask me. And sometimes I play it with yeah. you guys, but they know that, and that's the thing is my kids know me. Like there's no secret. I don't yeah, have to pretend. you're not BSing them. I don't have to pretend to be anything but what I am. They will say, dad, you want to play a board game? I know mom won't want to play. And in no way are they saying mom's a bad mom. Well, they, and you used to be, you, there would be a moment where you said, oh, I'm a bad mom because my kids know that they don't want me to play people with them. Well, yeah, no? 10 years ago. Right. Like that's not, I guess my point is, is that to your point, yes, when they were little, we had these discussions a ton. I wrote books about it. Like it was a really, I had to go through it. But what I'm trying to focus on now is what the what the outcome is, is now my kids know me. Yeah. So those things are not shame ridden anymore. I'm not like, oh, I'm not a fun mom. They also come home and know when they're upset that I will sit there and listen and talk to them. They know I'm there for them, but not there for them in the ways that I really am not good at. Do you see what I mean? I do. So, it's And I think a, it's an important lesson for everybody out there. And it's a tricky balance because you can't, you can't speak in gener- generalities or else it sounds like you're just showing up when you want to. Right. And that's not it at all. Right. It's just in those downtimes, in those moments where you can actually spend time with your kids – how do you want to spend time with them? Yeah. And the best way is where you're both at peace and you're both feeling like this is something we want to do. Right. And instead of pretending to be something I'm not. Are you ready for number seven? Sure. Top 10 regrets. Number seven. Not spending enough time with your parents. Yeah. Uh, that's a tricky one too, because um, I'll talk about my dad. I love my dad. Um, but the older my dad gets, the more needy he is Mm -hmm. while at the same time, I'm trying to grow, uh, my own family, my own career. And, you know, we're in this middle place, which is really so tricky. So this is a good one and it's, it's tough. It's a, it's a, it's a tricky balance. Well, and I will say, because you're talking about your dad, because he's here with us on the earth right now, but I think one of the reasons that you were able to move through the grief, um, 
in a really healthy way after your mom passed away is because you spent so much right. time with her. I, I, yes. No regrets. I didn't have any regrets. Like, you know, not only did Todd have such a, a open relationship and healthy and um, present time relationship, meaning you, you guys really knew each other. Yeah. You also took her to lunch and we would go to her house and we'd do, and she'd come here and we were with her quite a bit. So when she passed away, you weren't like, Mm -hmm. and that's, um, both of my parents are here. Um, they live about 30 minutes from me and I make sure I go see them once or twice a week because they both need more support at this stage. And I, those are days where I know my time is very well spent. Yeah, I don't, I don't wake up those days going, oh, you know, should I be doing this? I know. It's the right thing to do. It's what you want to do. It's what I want to do. Right. And it's where I'm supposed to be. But yeah, that's a that's that's a tricky one for most people that would listen to this show because we, we're all kind of going through this part of our lives um, of our parents becoming more needy. It's kind of a weird thing. I still, there's part of me that still thinks I'm like a seven-year-old kid and looking for my mom and my dad to help me out. I and know. now I am the mom and dad in that situation. On both sides. Many times. Thus the the middle place, you yeah. know, you're caregiving on both sides, you know, with your parents and with um, and with children. And again, it's not like you're parenting your parents. You're just supporting more right. than you're in a more of a supportive role. And and for many, you know, they live far away from their parents. And so the, for those of you who are listening who are like, oh, I only see my parents a couple times a year, phone calls, Skype, texts, it doesn't have to be the way that Todd and I are saying we do it. It's a relationship. And, you know, when they say seeing your parents more, yeah. it's just about do you have a relationship? Well, and it's it's an individual thing. We need to get quiet in ourselves and know what the best balance is. Correct. There could be, you know, a circumstance where a lot of time isn't necessarily the best situation. Correct. You know, for whatever reason. Well, and when my parents were living in Galena a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. um, we would only see them maybe once every couple months yeah. and it was fine, but things have changed, yeah. you know, where now there's, it's different. Yeah. And so that's the thing too, is it's not going to be the same for anybody at any uh, specific time. It, it's like you said, it's very individual. Number eight. Top 10 regrets. Uh, never taking a big risk. Yeah. I did not have any contrarian opinion of this. I'm at this point in my life. I'm I, I I just I'm a big bigger fan of taking risks, and I want to. I used to be really scared of failure, and you know I'm I find myself doing things that I wouldn't have done a year ago or two years ago. You know, you and I, you know, professionally, whenever I talk to a group, I'm either usually with you or Frank, who's my kind of my men's group tribe partner. And I went up solo in front of 60 guys a week ago Monday. I've never done that before. And I was okay with failing. And I don't think I did fail. I think I did a really good job. But I'm just, you know, I'm 40. How old am I? 44, 45? I don't know. Something like that. 44, I think. I I don't really care that much about failing. And I want to fail my way towards success. Well, and I think the thing, I think my whole definition of failing has changed. Like, the fears that we have in our head about failure and people pointing fingers and being like, you're not a success or you didn't succeed. I, that doesn't exist. Oh, Sorry. Ouch. Ouch. Sorry. That doesn't exist for me anymore. Yeah. Meaning that I, there aren't failures. Like, of course there are there, but everything you do, there's something you're getting out of it. Yep. And maybe it didn't go the way you planned, but is that a failure? The only ways of failure is if you give up and stop because it didn't go well. You either learn from it and move on or you surrender to doing it and just stopping and then there's no growth. Well, and can something be pretty good but not excellent? Can something be all right but not the best? Sometimes good enough is good enough. Well, and that's kind of how I feel with work right now is is I don't mean that I'm not giving my best, but there's no way that I can – every week with this show be like, it's going to be the best show. It's going to be better than last week. I don't know, but I'm going to show up as myself and it's going to be subjective. Mm-hmm. You know, people, some people, you know, we get emails about this was my favorite show. This is my favorite show. And usually the reason that a show was someone's favorite is because of their personal experience, right. not because of how Todd and I showed up. Right. It's because it related to their life. And that's exactly the same with presenting or teaching. Whenever I'm doing that, the people who really get something out of it, it's because of where they are in their life at that point. Right. It's not always because of the way I said words. Right. It it just resonated. So I just look at failure differently. And I also think that taking risks, because that's what this is about, the w- place that I think about risk taking is not with work stuff, it's with emotional stuff. I'm willing to take any emotional risk these days. I mean, 
if I want to tell someone I'm sorry, if I want to say I love you, if I want to, you know, propose something new, if I want to um, tell you you hurt my feelings, these are things that I take risks. I'll, I'll do anything. And I think a lot of us get to that age where we kind of care less about what other people think of us. Yeah. And, you know, if I can have any advice for, from my 44-year-old self to my 34-year-old self is take risks earlier, man. Don't, Show up. Don't, you, you, we don't have to wait to have these experiences. Well, it's a muscle. It's a muscle. So if you're practicing, and and I'd like to turn it around rather than say we're worried about what other people think about us, we don't value ourselves enough to say what we mean. So So in a way, it's both. I mean, really, it's not one or the other. It's both simultaneously. But I think what happens as we get older is we start to value ourselves more and understand that what we have to say is just as valuable as what another has to say, not better, not necessarily in, I've, I've got to win, but you said something, now here's my opinion. Yeah. And that both can exist in the same space. Yep. As we always say, and again, on this show, you know, you guys hear it, we don't agree on everything, but I respect and honor what Todd has to say, even if the conversation ends at, I agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. He has the right to take up space in the room and I have the right to take up space in the room. My children have the right to take up space. And we don't all have to be on the same page to love each other. And so extend that beyond your family. That's how it is for everybody, your neighbor. You Sweetie, know? we're just one big family anyways. We are. We are. I want it next time we, uh, the next show, maybe next week or the week after, because next week we might be more in conference mode. But um, I really want to talk about this new book that I'm reading that my friend recommended to me because it's all about where we are in life right now. And we used to be all about being separate. And now everything is about understanding that we're interbeing, that we are all connected. This, you guys listening to the show, we say that all the time, but it really is a time and space. Mm-hmm. I mean, we really have now, um, we do understand that we play a role in what's happening on this planet. And it always almost makes me laugh that we didn't think we did before. Right. That we really thought that things just, you know, oh, yeah. that animal went extinct. Yeah. And as if we had no role in that. Right. And I don't mean personal blame. I mean collective, how, collective blame. Yeah. Collective responsibility yeah. is a better word. And, you know, these are the, it, this is what's happening now. So this isn't something that I'm saying in a fear-based way. I'm saying like we're waking up. Yeah. All right, you ready for number nine? Sure. Number nine. Top 10 regrets. Not quitting a terrible job. Yeah. Well, I got fired from my first job. What'd you do wrong? I just didn't make any money. I was a saleswoman. You weren't pulling in the numbers? I was. Um, yeah, I, I, I was horrible at it. And he said he didn't want to fire me, so he said... I kind of think I need to. So if you want to, th- he, you know, it was like instead of getting impeached, they let me resign. Right. Um, he's like, if you, because he was kind of a nice guy, and mm. we were kind of friends. He wasn't that old, so he's like, if you just want to maybe think about it tonight, and I was like, okay, let me think about it, and I was able to come in and quit. Yeah. But if I was really to look at it now, he was saying, dude, you suck at this job. I can't imagine why you're such a good outdoor <laughs> salesperson. <laughs> suck at that. So I had to like make cold calls. It was awful. How much did you make? I made $16,000 the first year. I was my first year out of college. I'm looking for my money thing, but oh. I can't find it. But I don't worry. I still bought my tickets to my Rod Stewart concert, my Aerosmith <laughs> concert. I was buying tickets to concerts and not eating. Like I was like, I got to go to this concert. Rod, Rod Stewart. Stewart. Why am I going to Rod Stewart? Because of Lara. It was Lara's fault. She um, last one, which is kind of one of my favorites. Um, not realizing how beautiful you are. Mm, that's lovely. Isn't that nice? Yeah. And for some reason, this is where my brain went. And this gets a little adultish. But um, for a sperm and an egg to meet, every time there's a release from the man, 40 million to 1.2 billion sperm are released. And one of them makes it to the egg. Correct. And we are living proof that we are freaking miracles. One out of 40 million, and I showed up. Right. Each one of us can say that. Right. That's nuts. I know. And that ain't. And some people are like, boo, what happened? What's the show show about? But honestly, like the fact that we were born is a birthright to beauty and health and happiness and to contentment and everything else. And not 
in the way that some may perceive. It just means you belong here. Yes. There's no accident that you're here. That's all that it, that Todd's saying. It's not about because you were born, you have the right to money and you have the right to a new TV. It's not that stuff. Well, it's just we get in our head and we're like, oh, we suck at this and we're no good at that. Right. I'm like, the fact that you showed up at all is amazing. So well, I just want to remind everybody of that because I need to remind myself of that sometimes. And the thing is, is our belief system is that we get so um, focused on what everybody else is doing and we think that we should be like other people because that is how um, we are taught is we are funneled through the same, you know, educational process. You should be good at this. This is how you should look. And everybody is different. And as, um, you know, one of my favorite Einstein quotes is that everyone – Everyone is a genius, but if you judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing it is stupid. And that is really when you are being funneled through the same system and everybody is supposed to look the same and do the same and be the same, obviously we're not going to feel good about ourselves. Some people will because they will fit that system. Yeah. But many of us, if it be through our appearance or... The fact that intellect. we suck at taking ACTs. Yeah. I mean, a test score is not you, people, and it is not your kids. It is the way that they process information. And that may not be – and again, that's not going to indicate their future success. Their future success is dependent on their EQ, their emotional intelligence. Once they get that job, whatever it may be – and this is what I always say to my students – your in your A's and your test scores can give you opportunity, meaning if you don't have A's and a good test score, you're not going to med school. You have to have those things. So I'm not saying they don't help at all or in certain situations that they don't give you a leg up in a moment. But the truth about life is that there are a million different ways to be successful. Yeah. And you may not fit into this box but if you open up that box and break down those boundaries and borders, there's a million other ways that you can find success. And as parents, we have to remember that. We we raise our children to be who they are, not to become what other people want them or think they should be. What we want them to exactly. be. Exactly. Um, so those are my top 10 regrets that I stole from some online thing. So there we Great. go. Uh, two partners I want to talk about is Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Dr. Kelly, she treats us twice a month and she's awesome. Uh, she helped me with neck and back issues and I'm feeling a million Jaw bucks. issues. And I got some jaw issues going on, a little clicking. Let's see if you can hear it. Oh, it's gone. She fixed me. Oh, it's a little clicky. Uh-uh. You know what? You've been chewing your nails a lot lately. That's what I do. Uh, and then Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald-headed beauty, and he does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, avidco.net, 630-956-1800. You ready for two quick questions? There's Sweetie Pie. Really? We're going to do two more things? Uh, yeah, real quick. Okay. Um, I forget what this lady's name is, plus I didn't get her permission to talk about it, but she said uh, she had a question. The idea of lying to the school to take a vacation or leave early for some trip. Obviously, teaching our kids to tell the truth is important, but I also value family vacations and staying in touch with relatives near and far. I respect the importance of school and having good attendance at school, but I also know that it's not possible to make an eight-hour car trip worth one weekend. How can I explain to my daughter why I've chosen to lie to the school? Now, it's limited information, but do your best to answer that question. Okay. Well, um, I, I know what she's saying, so I understand, but I guess my question would be why we would have to lie to the school in the first place. And my guess is a lot of times schools will not give you homework assignments unless um, you make up something other than a family vacation. I know that our school does that. You can't say, give me homework because we're going to I Florida. know, but why not then do the homework when you come back? Well, then they'll be behind. Right, and they will be for a little bit, which is kind of a trade-off. I, get, I, I, I totally understand her question, but I think that I would like back up from the question and say... Why does the school need to have any information except that you're not your kids aren't going to be there for a certain number of days and that's it? Well, and as adults, there's so many different ways like you can cheat and lie. I mean, we're all a bunch of big kids, and what I mean, like you know, stealing cable, like think people that like victimless. Did you say stealing a table, cable. Oh, cable. Um, you know, you know, victimless the, crime. Yeah, victimless crime the guy who installed our tv told me about this app that we can get all brand new movies for free like and, movies that right. are in the theater now 
maybe 10 years ago I would have done that. But now I'm like, whatever, I'll spend the $4 or whatever right. it is. But Intrinsic motivation. Right. Meaning that inside that doesn't feel doesn't right. Doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so many opportunities to kind of make these morally casual decisions. So I'm kind of, I understand, and it's just not about this situation, but just... Well, and I'm I'm thinking about my own situation, like when the girls, when we've had to take them out for things, you know, if it'd be personal things or we were leaving on a vacation early and I don't feel like I felt the need to supply any information. Yeah. And there was a few times that I loved, both my girls had the same second grade teacher and I just loved her. And a few times I took the girls out of school because I was taking them to see the Lion King and yeah. Wicked. And I remember I told her, cause she and I were, you know, we got along. She goes, this to me is just as much, you know, I'm taking them to the theater yeah. and it's valuable. she's like, this is education. Have a great time. And I wasn't, overdoing it. I wasn't taking, I took them out twice in one year. That was, but I guess my point is, is if we feel okay about what we're doing, I don't know why we owe anyone a big explanation, except my kids won't be there. I don't understand where the lie has to come in. And I guess if it is about homework, then that's maybe the sacrifice we make is that when they get back, then they will catch up. And and again, my my girls are in middle school and they've been able, you know, they've been sick a few times this year or we've had to pull them out of school for various reasons. And, and it's a little stressful. Like when Skylar, well, Skylar's not in middle school, but she missed like seven days of school because of her tonsils. And there's a catch up period sure. of time, but they can catch up. Yeah. And I also feel like attendance records. Who cares? I, that's the thing is I understand some kids want perfect attendance because they get kudos for it or a certificate or so if that's important to your kid, then all, you know, well, more power it. to them. But to be really focused on perfect attendance is, I, I don't know why that matters in life. It, it, as long as, again, it's as long as you're being responsible with your choices, then so I guess an answer to her question is, I don't know if you need to explain to your kids why you're lying because I don't know if you have to lie. Yeah, maybe you can explain to your kids that this is these are the choices we're making because we, as a family, should go on vacation. I agree with you, mom. That's is it a mom writing it? I believe so. Like Todd and I believe the same thing. If if Todd, if we get an opportunity to go see your brother, or oh, yeah. if we get an opportunity to go we see my school aunt, last year to go to yeah, Florida. we do those things because that's family. Yeah. Um, but again, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if we help, but it's fun to talk about. Yeah. Uh, second one, a little bit heavier. Um, it's a man. He uh, needs really he-, he needs help and supporting his wife with her emotional ups and downs. Okay. Uh, we've discussed what she needs. Um, hot water bottles, chocolate, and hugs, and these are not difficult to provide, but sometimes she'll become very aggressive towards the children, which is distressing for all of us. And when this happens, I find it difficult to show affection and be supportive, which is what I know she needs. I feel like my job is to be strong, give her love and acceptance, and stay positive for the children, but when she gets so angry, I feel panicked and hurt. It feels like we have had a big falling out, even though I know she is struggling with hormones and often physical pain. Do you have any thoughts on how to deal with my own feelings of hurt and frustration during these times so that I can better support my family? Well, so it sounds like hormonal fluctuations, maybe something that's in her cycle. Mm-hmm. Is that what he's talking about? That maybe sure. I don't know. Um, all I can speak to is that if she is being unkind to you or the kids, you have a right to be... Uh, feel uncomfortable around that. And I don't mean that in a blaming way, like she's a bad person. What I'm saying is I think you're being a little hard on yourself with that you actually have an emotional experience around this because when someone is hurting or being unkind or in physical pain, it is hard for you. And and if you kind of let yourself off the hook instead of thinking that you're supposed to be strong and stoic and not let it affect you. um, Well, and it just depends because as a man and if our wife is is struggling with whatever and it it becomes difficult to love and support in that moment, as guys, what we sometimes do is we either fight or escape. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that this man is saying, do you have any thoughts on how to deal with my own feelings and hurt? So it it tells me that this guy is evolved enough that Mm -hmm. he's, he's trying to own his own feelings. And my advice to him would be when it's really tough to be with somebody who's not being, uh, who's struggling to stand in the storm. And that doesn't mean, so that means don't fight back and don't escape to your man cave and, and, 
show this woman that you will love and support her through whatever she's experiencing right now. Because as guys, our default is to hide or fight. And at the same time, to make sure that you take the time you need Mm -hmm. to deal with your own feelings. is When Todd says stand in the storm, it doesn't mean stand there and allow someone to treat you poorly. It means, like he said, don't run away or think that this is the end of the world. Take some time for yourself, and you may need to, if if your wife is having a hard time and she's kind of in a rageful place or whatever language you were using, to say, I'll get you what you need, and then I'm going to go yeah. you know, take a break, and then I'll be back. Yeah. Um, because the only way that we can support the ones we love is if we're taking care of ourselves first. And that doesn't mean instead of, mm-hmm. it means simultaneously. And so... I also, you know, is this like something that happens every month or yeah, every we, week? Yeah, we don't have any of that information. We don't have that kind of thing because my other suggestion would be when things are not feeling chaotic, to have a talk with your wife about this time. Yes. And to say, okay, right now we're doing really well and there's no issue. That's the best time to talk about difficulty is when things are, you know, a lot of times we say, well, I don't want to talk about it because things are good and I don't want to rock the boat. Well, it's the best time to talk because you're not in crisis. When I talked to those dads a few weeks ago, I asked them how many of have been on a date with their wife in the last week and about 10% of them raised their hand, which tells me 90% have not been on a date with their wife in the last week. And there's plenty of seven-day gaps where you and I don't go sure. out on a date, so I'm not blaming. But for us to think that uh, we're supposed to have this loving, compassionate relationship, but we're not investing in that relationship through a date or quality time with your spouse, it's it's really hard to do that unless you're investing the time to do it. And it's not easy when we have young kids, and most of the listeners on this podcast have younger, younger kids where it's not so easy to get that time. Well, and what what Todd and I do, even with our kids being a little older, is if we cannot leave, um, usually I or he will say, let's have a date here. Let's have a home date. So what we do is we order food and the girls go upstairs and watch their own thing or they go to bed and we watch our thing downstairs and we have a date in the house. Now, I know because Todd will say it's so much better to get out of the house. I I agree. Right. But sometimes you can't do it. And I also, for women, I'm just going to speak to you and maybe some men too feel this way. If you don't want that date to be all around sex, Mm -hmm. you know, where you're like, okay, a date, if if we have a date, it's going to mean this, it's going to mean this, say that up front. Say, I want to spend time with you and I want to watch a movie and eat, but I also may want to just fall asleep and be with you. Because I think a lot of times the reason that um, women hesitate to do this is they're like, well, I know what that means. Right. You know? Yeah. And that I don't, ha- I, I want to be with you, but I don't want to have to give more. <laughs> right. Do you know what I mean? I want to be able to just kind of be relaxed and be with you. And, and some of you may be like, I don't know what you're talking about. And for those of you that, that do, that do know then what that, know know what what that means. About. And um, that it's okay up front to kind of set the boundaries around what that date is going to be. And uh, that helps everybody be at peace. Right. Because then there's not this like elephant in the room or expectation out there. Um, so let's close the show up there, sweetie. All right. Um, we're going to finish with uh, that last fish song. Which one? It's called The Squirming Coil. Do I know this song? He wasn't quite the speed of light And the squirming coil It got away It got away It's ten and a half minutes long What's the squirming coil? Sweetie, who cares what the squirming coil is? Just listen (laughs) I know it got away It got away The song ends with like a seven-minute piano solo, and it's so awesome and lovely, and I just love it. Well, I like piano solos. Well, maybe we'll wait nine minutes. No. All right, so conference this weekend. If you're coming, register. If not, we'll talk to you guys next week. And if you already have your tickets, we'll see you soon. Keep trucking. Adios. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it, and we hope you'll join us next time. 
If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. You can also just tell a friend about our show. That's our favorite kind of marketing. Todd and I do speaking engagements about Zen Parenting and self-awareness, so if you have an interested group or organization, contact us at comments at zenparentingradio.com. And get your early bird tickets for our big Let's Get Real Zen Parenting Conference February 24th and 25th at the Westin in Lombard. Todd and I will be speaking Friday night, and we have Rob Bell, Rosalind Wiseman, and Ali Smith as our keynotes on Saturday. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or Amazon. If you're a guy, I have two resources for you. I coach guys. It's called Coaching for Guys. (laughs) On the phone, Skype, or in person, we set goals together and come up with a plan to meet those goals. The website is toddadamscoaching.com. And we also have a monthly men's group. So if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with, check out the tribemensgroup.com. If you ever shop on Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. And finally, I want to thank our two amazing partners, Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Jeremy Kraft, that bald-headed beauty from Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks, and keep on trucking.